Hello and welcome to the very first episode of my podcast, The Wine About. My name is Gabriella and I've been running the Instagram page, The Wine About, for about six or so years now. It's a place where I like to keep tasting notes and educate people in a fun sort of way. Um, but today I thought we'd start off the podcast with Georgia. Yeah, we all love Georgian wines. Georgia is a country at the intersection of Europe and Asia, a former Soviet republic that's home to Caucasus Mountain villages, Black Sea beaches, and is one of the oldest winemaking countries. Archaeological evidence states Georgia's winemaking tradition back to 6 millennium BC, predating the earliest wine production in Europe by more than 5,000 years. Natural wine writers like Alice Faring have brought a lot of attention to Georgia's natural wine community. In Georgia, there are a lot of ancient winemaking traditions of making amber-coloured wine through fermenting white wine varieties on their skins, traditionally in clay pots called quevries. Now, although these alternative styles are responsible for creating interest in Georgian wines, especially in the last five years, they only represent a very small percentage of production. There is a lot more to Georgia than just amber wine, and I want to share that with you today. Georgia is the comeback kid of the wine world. Wine sales in some countries, like the United States, have increased by 88% in recent years. 88%. I think we can give Georgia a round of applause. That is some damn good marketing. And, um, you know, the Georgians aren't stupid. They are well aware of the wine world's rising thirstiness for their wines. So in 2006, there weren't even 100 registered wineries in the whole country. Not even 100. Fast forward to today, there are over 1,000. That's increased tenfold and is continuously rising. The country had a pretty strong wine industry up until the 19th century, but a few things happened that were massive setbacks. Georgia was a part of the Soviet Union, a communist state that spanned Eurasia from 1922 to 1991. The first setback for Georgia's wine industry was in 1922 when the Soviet Union occupied the country. The several decades that followed impacted the country's ability to really flourish on an international scale commercially, like its competitors, France and Italy. Phylloxera. Yeah, nothing ever good happens after the word phylloxera. So this troublesome insect pest, which devastated the vineyards around the globe, also destroyed over 60,000 hectares of vines throughout Georgia in the 1980s. In the middle of the 1980s, Georgia takes another hit. And this is when the General Secretary of the Communist Party launched a campaign against alcohol abuse. This crippled the Georgian wine exports, but also directly impacted local sales. So this was a part of a three-year campaign. So prices of alcohol increased, some distilleries were shut down, vines were pulled out. Many little changes drastically affected the wine industry during these times. You know, anyone caught out in public or tipsy was prosecuted Restaurants weren't even allowed to sell alcohol until the late afternoon. So all of this demonized wine drinking. So of course there was a big decline in legal alcohol consumption. Fast forward to 1991, Georgia declares independence from the Soviet Union. I mean, surely that's something to say yay about, right? Well, hold on. Georgia heavily relied on the Russian uh, market to export to. 
It was the principal export market for Georgian wine throughout the entire 20th century. In 2006, Georgia took its final blow. (laughs) Moscow introduces a trade embargo on Georgian wine, and this crippled the industry. So Russia claimed that shipments of wine were contaminated with heavy metals, but the Georgian president at the time described this move as more of economical blackmail. Georgia's wine industry was, I guess you could say, in the shit. Before the trade embargo, before the export ban, 70% of Georgian wine went to Russia. 70%. So Georgia as a country really needed to think fast. They needed to find new markets to sell their wine to. And looking back now, in hindsight, that embargo ended up being one of the best things to happen to Georgia's wine industry. Because today, they're exporting to over 55 countries. So now you are aware of the uphill battle Georgia had. I want to talk to you about their main wine region, a few of the country's indigenous grape varieties, um, their ancient wine techniques, a little bit about quevery. So just so you can know a little bit more, because this country is the comeback kit of the wine industry, and I really want to share it with you. If you want to... um, Look at my tasting video on Georgian wine. You can check that out on my Instagram page. So where exactly is Georgia on a map? Okay, so it's located in southwestern Asia. Georgia is bordered by the Black Sea to the west, Russia up north, up the top there, um, and Armenia and Turkey to the south, and Azerbaijan to the southeast. Just to give you a rough idea, so if you picture a, a map just then, close your eyes, that's where Georgia is. So in 1997, the wine industry started to develop. It was free from the USSR. It was independent and it wanted to develop an Appalachian system. And if you study wine or are very into it, you would know that Appalachians exist in wine countries throughout the world. Appalachians like, you know, Chianti DOC, um, that's an Appalachian. Champagne, that's an Appalachian. You know, Bourgogne Rouge, these are all Appalachians. Um, And today... Georgia has 24 appellations. Um, They're called PDOs in Georgia. And PDO stands for Protected Designation of Origin. Majority of Georgia's PDOs are located in the eastern part of the country. And designations are granted for numerous reasons. So PDOs have been granted for historical noble estates, others based on styles. It could also be vineyard areas known locally for producing wine of distinctive character. Some PDOs are linked to specific varieties like, say, Saparavi. And like other countries, these wine appellations stipulate how and where the grapes are grown, maximum yields, vinification methods, and whatever they want to, really. Uh, These PDOs on the label may suggest a wine style or a variety or a blend, just like if you picked up a bottle of Chianti, you would know, hey, that's Sangiovese. I'm going to apologise right away for my poor pronunciation in these Georgian wines, but let's talk about Georgia's number one, numero uno wine region, Kakheti. Kakheti is spelled K-A-K-H-E-T-I. That's K-A-K-H-E-T-I. And it is the most important wine region in Georgia in terms of quality and quantity. Almost three quarters of the country's wine grapes are grown here on land that has been used for viticulture for thousands and thousands of years. Now, 
two of the most well-known and most often exported PDOs are... So PDO number one is a light white wine. Uh, it is Sindanali, and this is based on Georgia's most planted white variety, Arakatelli. This is going to give you aromas of quince, stone fruit like peach and nectarine, wildflowers, and a little bit of citrus as well. Now, the next PDO is for a powerful red wine made from Georgia's native Saparavi variety. And you'll see on the label Mukuzani. And that's typically got a lot of bright red fruit, but also hints of spice and smoke. And it's very ripe and rounded. Now, Kaheti is Georgia's biggest region by area, taking in the entire eastern part of the country. So it's huge. The landscape and climate varies dramatically just because it is so huge, um, the Kahiti area. So you've got high mountains of Tusheti in the north to the semi-desert landscapes in the south. So it's very hard for me to sit here and summarize the climate of the region here because it is so varied. And there's this river, the Alazani River, and it's wide valley. They kind of cut through the region from north to south. And this carves out dozens of different microclimates that in turn provide the perfect conditions for cultivating grapes. Kaheti has long been and remains to be Georgia's premier wine growing region. I mean, I mentioned before, three quarters of the grapes are grown here and it's 70% of wine is made in this region. Georgia is arguably the oldest wine producing country in the world and there is a lot of evidence to back this up. So just think about all that rich history um, that there is in Georgia and these winemakers and Georgian people uh, in general are very, very proud of their wines. Um, They think it's probably the best in the world, just like any wine producing country probably. I'm sure the French think that Chablis is the best white wine and nothing compares to Champagne, but I digress. So Georgians will want to carry on this legacy and wineries here vary from very small scale kind of garage style, tiny family operations that focus in on those natural winemaking methods, quivery, skin contact whites. And then you have at the opposite end of the spectrum, large commercial scale wineries producing wine traditionally, but also employing some European style techniques like fermenting um, white wine in huge stainless steel vats to retain freshness and also maturing reds in French oak. The principal grape varieties in Kaketi's red wines are Saparavi, which is a red variety that's native to the area, but also the French grape Cabernet Sauvignon, which is not really surprising because I feel like Cabernet Sauvignon is planted in every single wine country across the world. Uh, When it comes to white wines, you'll see two indigenous varieties used mostly, which is Rakatsteli and Kakuri Mutsvani. If you are enjoying this podcast and learning something, please leave me a review on iTunes. I've heard it really helps out a lot. Or I would love if you were to reach out to me on my Instagram page at The Wine About and let me know your thoughts. Georgia has more than 500 native varieties. That is a lot more than what I was expecting, but I guess it is the birthplace of wine. Um, Roughly 45, though, are in commercial production. And to keep things short, we are going to focus on two of those varieties in this podcast, one white, one red. So the leading white variety is Arakatsteli, which accounts for over 60% of total wine production. And then we have Saparavi, which is the dominant red wine variety. Racket 
the ancient pale skin variety is thought to have been cultivated in Georgia for several millennia. Back in the Soviet Union days, this variety was responsible for around 20% of all Soviet plantings. It was used to make everything, and when I say everything, I mean everything. It was used for table wines, liqueur, and even sherry-style fortified wine. And before the anti-alcohol campaign, which led to a huge vine pool scheme, it was the world's most planted white wine variety. There are a few reasons why this variety is so popular. Firstly, this variety has a strong resistance to cold winter weather conditions. Many varieties would simply not be able to survive in these sub-zero temperatures that occur throughout the country. Secondly, is its ability to retain good acidity levels, even in super hot summers. The long hot summers that Georgia typically experiences aren't a problem for the natural robust acids of Racistelli. Lastly, it is a versatile grape. It's got a natural balance of sugar and acid, which makes it suitable for uh, I mean, a wide uh, variety of styles. Table wine, sparkling, sweet, fortified. I mean, they'll even making sherry back in the Soviet Union era. It produces wines with high acidity. They're typically full-bodied and quite aromatic. Signature aromas for this variety are peach, white florals, citrus, and with age, they can have this beeswax aroma and a bit nutty like walnuts. For centuries, this variety has been used in Georgia to make amber wine. You might know this style today as orange wine. The grapes are left to macerate on their skins, often in clay vessels known as quivery, for months and even years. This gives the final wine additional flavours and textures, increasing the wine's complexity, also changing the colour to a golden amber orange tone, hence the name. Now you know a little bit about Georgia's number one white wine variety, Rakitsteli, but how about its top dog red variety, Saparavi? We're going to go through a little bit about what that grape is about and the styles of wine that it produces. There is something quite special about Saparavi. And if you're only going to remember one thing today about this grape, let it be this. It is a tenturia variety, like Alicante Boucher. And this means that the flesh and juice of the grape are red in color. And that's due to anthocyanin pigments accumulating within the pulp of the grape berry itself. And I'm telling you this and I'm saying it's unique because those grapes that you know out there, like Cabernet Sauvignon, Shiraz and Pinot, their juice is clear and the color from those um, wines is coming from the skin. Saparavi produces wines that are inky, deep, dark ruby in color. Like it's almost going to stain the glass, which is a hint if you're doing blind tastings. Um, I mean, it's probably pretty rare that Saparavi is going to be thrown into the mix. But if the color is quite deep, maybe, you know, <laughs> consider it could be Saparavi. It's full bodied. And the tannin and acid um, are usually quite high, but that can vary depending on the yield and winemaking methods employed, what style of wine the winemaker wants to produce. The grape is very, very versatile and it is made uh, in all styles from rosé to fortified wines. Semi-sweet red wine is fairly big in Georgia and they do produce quite a lot of that. I'm going to go through two PDOs. Uh, made using the Saparavi variety. They're very different. So just based on what style you think you like, you could keep an eye out for it. 
Pedio number one is Mukazani, and that is from uh, Georgia's premier wine growing region, which if you've been paying attention, you should know. Keheti, <laughs> just in case you forgot. Um, and these saparavis are usually aged in oak for longer. So they're more concentrated, more savory and more tannic. So if you do want to try a fuller bodied style of saparavi, this would be the PDO to look out for. And if you are after a lighter, off-dry version of saparavi, keep an eye out for Kinsmaraliuli. That is... A bit of a tongue twister. But um, let me say that one more time. Kinsmaraliuli on the label. Um, and that is a subregion of Koheti. But these wines are naturally semi-sweet and the ripeness is balanced by kind of finely soft textured tannins. These are lovely bright fruit. They can be served chilled um, and kind of give me Beaujolais vibes a little bit. Um and they are a great accompaniment to a cheese board or charcuterie. So if you do want to try something a little bit lighter, fruitier, go for this Kinmaraliuli. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. I feel like we've come a long way and now you know where Georgia is, um, its comeback, how Kaheti is the premium wine growing region and the two main varieties planted here and the styles that they're typically produced in. There is one last thing that I wanted to talk to you about and it is about that fermentation vessel, Quevery, that clay pot that you all probably associate with Georgia. So let's get into it. I don't know about you, but for the longest time, whenever anyone would talk about Georgian wines, it was this kind of magical orange skin contact amber star wine made in a clay quivery pot that was buried underground. So let's talk about those styles, but I really did want to push in this podcast that there is a lot more to Georgian wine than quivery. Um, so a quivery is a vessel shaped like an egg uh, with a narrow bottom and a wide mouth at the top and they're made from local clay. So they are used for fermentation, storage and aging of um, traditional Georgian wine and they can be white or red as well, not just skin contact, amber styles and they're either buried below ground or they're set into floors of large wine cellars. Today, I'm going to focus on how these amber style skin contact quivery wines are made. Now, you can use red varieties, but just for the point of this podcast, we're going to be focusing on the amber style, and they're typically made from the white variety, Racastelli, because you've got that great natural acidity, which really helps. Anyways, let's get into it. First step, numero uno, is maceration. So crushed grapes are placed into the quivery along with grape juice, grape skins, stems, and pulp. Next up is when the magic happens, alcoholic and malolactic fermentation. So alcoholic fermentation, as we know, produces alcohol, uh, while the malolactic fermentation process decreases acidity, adds flavor, and helps to stabilize the wine. The quivery is then covered with a lid and it's sealed with clay or beeswax. So after several months, the wine is then decanted for bottling. The oval shape of the vessel helps to promote circulation during fermentation. So the wine's moving around and the grapes, the seeds and the stems and all those little yucky particles and yeast, um, they settle at the bottom of the vessel and that actually helps to minimize their contribution of bitter phenolics to the wine. 
even though these wines are made with white wine varieties, they're completely different to your traditional style white. Uh, They're typically medium to full bodied and have quite robust and unique flavor profiles thanks to the extended skin contact. Um, These wines can be made in a natural style without the use of sulfur thanks to the the, um, tannin from the seeds, skin and stems. Um, The tannin acts as a preservative and an antioxidant. Um, But I do want to quickly make a little side note that sulfur isn't the devil. Uh, Rackensterly isn't the only variety used to make amber-style wines, but as the grapes have so much natural high acidity, they do make a really good candidate um, for amber wines. And the acid also works as a preservative and an antioxidant. So imagine notes of kind of black tea, dried fruit, campari, walnuts, orange, tangerine. Uh, These are styles of wine that I typically would have a glass and think about and swirl about and drink them slowly. And they're definitely not those sipping throwback styles. Um, I typically give them a lot of thought and I can only really enjoy a glass or two. As I mentioned before, Saparavi can also be used to make these Quevery style wines. Um, and it's not just reserved for white wine varieties like Racistelli. Now, I really hope you enjoyed that podcast and you learned a little bit about Georgian wines. If you head over to my Instagram at The Wine About, you can check out my tasting video where I taste a bunch of Georgian styles. Um, and also send me a message and let me know your thoughts about my podcast. Thank you so much. And I really look forward to doing another one and hanging out with you guys again through the pod. Bye. Bye.